Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. It gives me great pleasure to welcome uh, staunch and great public schools advocate, regular guest on Viewpoints, Trevor Cobbold, the National Convener for Save Our Schools. Welcome again to Viewpoints. Trevor, how are you? Good, thank you, Henry. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. Uh, working hard. Schools are back on deck now and... Uh, you know, uh, it doesn't take long to forget that we were on holidays. <laughs> That's always the way. <laughs> what, yeah, what's a holiday? What about yourself? I mean, you do a lot of uh, advocacy work in, uh, in, and, and research. Uh, did you get a bit of a break from time to time over December, January? or Yeah, I did, yeah, had, oh, yeah well, a bit of both. We had a fair bit of a break, but, yeah, there's always things to do. Yes, it's, uh, it's one of those things. Now, there's a couple of uh, education research papers that you have prepared, Save Our Schools Have. We'll start with the private schools had the biggest funding increases and the biggest falls in school results. This one's come out pretty re- recently. That's a bit of a counterintuitive shock to people who would be having their children uh, go to our private schools, I would think, um, Yes, it's uh, well, the the figures are pretty. There's been a lot of work around over the last, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. Um, On my count, there's been nearly 30 30 academic studies, maybe a few less, off the top of the head, I'm not sure, um, looking at comparing um, the results of public and private schools in Australia. And almost all of them, there's a couple of exceptions, but the, the, the strong weight of evidence is that when you adjust for the different social composition of public and private schools, that is public schools have, have enrolled a vast proportion of disadvantaged students, whether it's low SES, indigenous or remote area, as I say, over 80%. When you, when you adjust for that, the, the overwhelming evidence is that there is basically no difference in results between public and private schools. And the the, the work that we just put out, the, the article you're referring to, that that draws on um, some on on the results of the um, OECD's what's called the PISA tests, the Program for International Student Assessment, and those figures show that. While there have been declines in results over since 2009, the biggest declines have been in Catholic and independent schools. And I think, I mean, that 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 result is actually not well known. And uh, in responses to some media commentary, we thought we should put this this work out to show that all the what we call the mantra about funding increases failing to improve results, well, the biggest problem is in private schools. They've had the biggest increases in funding, and we can come back to that, um, but they've also had the biggest declines in school results, in, in, the, in the PISA results, in, in literacy, numeracy, uh, sorry, liter- uh, in reading, writing, uh, sorry, I'll go back again, reading, mathematics, and science. They've had the biggest declines, um, and and if anything, when you adjust for those the back different backgrounds of students, public schools have actually done better on those results than private schools. Well, that's very heartening from a 
public school principal's perspective, Trevor, but from a system uh, of education, a holistic one, it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty terrible. What on earth could be the reasons for that? I mean, that's probably another research project because... Well, I think it is, yes. I mean, yeah, what, what is it that Catholic and independent schools are doing, having had the biggest increases in funding over the last decade... And by and when I say biggest increases, it's sometimes two or three times the increase for public schools, and they're not they're not achieving any better results when you're just for, for socio socioeconomic status differences. And the question is, what what are they doing? But no one's asking that question. All we get is the mantra: "Oh, funding increases. We've had big funding increases, and no improvement in results or declining results on te- on international tests and national tests." But no one's asking the question: What are public? What are, what are private schools doing with their money? It's clearly not helping their kids. It, it suggests that they are that public schools are actually much more efficient in 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 delivering education than private schools. Could it? And I'm I'm just guessing here, um, without any research. We have heard a lot of. Uh, anecdotal evidence that uh, many, particularly the elite ones or the better off ones, are pumping a lot of their money into um, flashy buildings and those sorts of facilities. Um, could that uh, be perhaps... Uh, well, in the, no, in these... I mean, that's what they're doing. They are spending enormous amounts of money on capital. But these funding figures are recurrent. So... Well, we heard, I mean, let's take an example. I, th- I forget which school it was in Sydney last year that they, that the principal was, was taking his spouse to the um, regatta in, in England uh, on, on expenses paid for by the school. We know that some principals in private schools are getting up towards a million dollars a year in salaries, um, and we know that private schools are paying teachers more in in private schools in general on average and particularly in the elite schools so all this money they're spending is actually not changing things and yet it's interesting trevor over the journey of um, having been a public school teacher in many schools and principal types of uh, socioeconomic schools in throughout my career um it's quick. It's quick uh, for the media to to land on. Well, all this money going to disadvantaged schools isn't making the difference that we we want, and we're wasting our money in that direction. Uh, uh, incongruous to be making those comments uh, in light of ignoring it at the top end, which you would think should be doing better from the starting point. Yes. Well, I mean, the issue is that I mean. Apart from the fact about comparing results, the the fact is that there are huge inequities in fund in in education results in Australia, which we'll come to in 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 a few minutes. But the the fact is that there is not enough money going into disadvantaged schools and to support disadvantaged students. Public schools are doing really well with the resources that that they have, but they are vastly under-resourced, while private schools are over-resourced in terms of government funding. 
and and the result is that we've got significant inequities between rich and poor still in the country, which is which is really our our major education challenge, and it's been the major challenge for the last decade and more. Uh, we've touched on this before, Trevor. Um, the uh, federal government, uh, through Jason Clare, the education minister, have has um, deferred the the um, review of the SRS for another year pending another inquiry. Um, is that because they might be planning on big changes and they want to get it right, or do you think it's just wimping it? Well, I, I mean, it is hard to know motivation uh, of, of governments when they don't announce what, exactly why they're doing something. But the current National Schools Reform Agreement is due to end at the end of this year, and there was a there was a, and it was a time for renegotiating a new agreement, and that determines, uh, the the um, the state government commitments in terms of funding public and private schools. Now, the federal government's under pressure, um, under pressure budgetary pressure, because they're refusing to change the stage three tax cuts, which provide billions of dollars of benefit over the next 10 years to the most uh, well-off people in Australia. Now, because they're refusing to do that, they are in trouble in terms of their funding for a range of public services, such as health uh, and, and in particular public education. So, to me, it is a convenient exercise to put it to put it off for another year uh, because it saves the money. And in particular, what it means is that the planned increase in the in the state share of the schooling resource standard that was due to come in in two thousand and twenty four will now be delayed for another year. So public schools will not get a funding increase and therefore they're going to lose out uh, off the top of my head. I can't remember the exact figure, but, but it's probably about a billion. Well, I think, no, no, it's about one point. I'm not sure. I, I, it's not I, I, off the top of my head. It's a substantial amount of money that public schools will lose because of this delay. And it's interesting, Trevor, I was in an advisory group meeting yesterday on education and uh, the commentary around the around the room was, well, the federal government's in a terrible bind because they clearly haven't got enough money and they need to pour a lot of money and education was a topic we were talking about and you've just illustrated the reason why they're in a more uh, difficult position than they need to have been. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yep. And as you know, as you know, you know around around the country, not just in Victoria, it is very difficult to get public education up on the agenda. Yeah, it's a good point. When you take a short break, uh, Trevor, can you hold the line? Yes. Welcome back to Viewpoints Lessons. I'm your host, Henry Grossick, and I'm in the middle of a, a very interesting discussion on uh, education with the National Convener for Safe Our Schools, Trevor Cobbold. Welcome back, Trevor. 
Hello, Henry. Now, Trevor, the other paper you wrote, uh, it, it's not dissimilar in some ways, but government funding failures have stoked shocking inequity in New South Wales school outcomes. Uh, you might like to elaborate. Well, we've put this paper out. Um, you may recall we did a similar one for Victoria last year, um, but we've put this out in the hope that it might grab a bit of attention because there's an election on in New South Wales at the end of next month. And as we've discussed before, it is very difficult to get education issues up on up on election agendas. We didn't do well in terms of the federal election last year, and we didn't do well with the Victorian election. So hopefully we, we might have some impact by pointing out that in no rational person can accept. For example, the we show that about one third of low so, of students from low socioeconomic backgrounds, and this is year nine students, about one third are not achieving the national benchmarks in reading, writing, and numeracy. And it's the same, roughly the same figures for Indigenous students in New South Wales and for remote area students. In fact, for the remote area, it, the figures are actually, in the case of writing, they're up near 50%, not achieving the state. I mean, this, these are shocking figures, Henry. Absolutely. And, and you compare that with the results of students from high, socio, high socioeconomic status backgrounds and for the same cohort of students, year nine, only about 3% uh, did not achieve the reading standard. I think it's 5% didn't achieve the writing standard and 1% didn't achieve the numeracy standard. So it's almost the proportion of low SES or disadvantaged kids not achieving standards is 10 or more times that of high SES students. I mean, this is just unacceptable. And somehow we have to keep trying to get that message across that, that we have vast inequities in our outcomes and the funding is not being directed to where the problems are. It begs a question, doesn't it, Trevor? Are either of the major political parties truly committed to closing the gap? Well, we've heard some rhetoric from the opposition, that is the Labor opposition in New South Wales, saying they'll put, they're aiming to get public schools to 100% of the national schooling resource standard. But gee, we've heard this before, and we're not making much progress. Particularly, yeah, when, when the, you know, one of the first major decisions of the federal Labor government is to delay the negotiation of a new national schools reform agreement, which determines the funding availability, the funding commitments of state governments. Do you ever get the feeling you're just banging your head against a brick wall um, despite the efficacy of the data that you consistently provide, uh, Trevor? I think you've asked me this before, Henry. <laughs> a 
I'm hoping there'll be a different answer, Trevor, but I'm well, not too you know, sure no, that there will be. There's no alternative, is there? You, you've just got to try and influence the public debate and the the opinion writers and ultimately the governments of the day that there there is a drastic is, issue facing the country. And it's not, I mean, this, this, it, A, it's a social justice issue. It, it shouldn't be the case that so many disadvantaged students don't get to have uh, an adequate education so that they can participate successfully in adult society. It's not only that. That's not the only issue. The issue is the economic effect. And the economic effect is, is that we have an underskilled workforce. And the way to, and we've, you know, we've heard a lot of talk. We had a national summit last year on on these issues, and the way the way to improve skills, not only from skilled migration, the way to improve the workforce skills is to improve the outcomes for the for the vast proportion of disadvantaged students who are not achieving what we expect, and that that is costing us in terms of participation in the workforce and and and, ec- and economic growth it hasn't always been so Trevor um, there was a time particularly when we had the disadvantaged schools program uh, where there wasn't this disparity what has changed I guess in the political psyche of the nation that a politicians go down this path and we as the public appear to be endorsing it um, by not by not demanding change loud enough well I, I, I'm not sure how to answer that Henry I I mean it seems to me the only I mean we have we have a funding scheme now the the, the positive the positive aspect of which comes from the the Gonski report of 10 years ago that in the in the federal funding system and the state funding systems we now have funding loadings for various categories of disadvantaged students so that there's some in principle recognition that these students need additional funding the problem is those loadings those funding loadings are not big enough and the problem is that a whole lot of funding is going into schools outside this model. And the primary uh, perpetrator of that has been the Liberal government over the last 10 years, until last year. And what they did is to, is to while they, they, they couldn't face stopping that funding model that gives some additional funding to disadvantaged students, what they did is went into providing billions of dollars outside the model for private schools. And that's how they worked it. They stopped the commitment of the Rudd-Gillard government of putting $7.5 billion into two years of the end of their their planned six-year increase. They put a cut, they stopped that. So that the vast, vast majority of that would have went to public schools. They stopped that and then introduced a whole range of measures that were outside the model. And that's only to been to the benefit of private schools. There has been no 
no such benefits to public schools. And this is costing us as a nation. Yeah, the horse has bolted on those fifth and sixth years. Uh, oh, and, yeah, long, we've, long we've ago. Lamented, a, we've yeah, lamented. That, but the, that's a source of the problem. Yes. That's one source of problem. And the other pro- source of the problem is the something like $3.6 billion increase that went to um, private schools over, over 10 years from 2018. So that's where that's where the increases we see in the figures is why funding for p- private schools is increasing much faster than for public schools. Then we have a whole lot of add-ons, and the classic case is the, if you recall, the JobKeeper payments and the cash stimulus payments that went to private schools. They got $750 million dollars as a result of JobKeeper, another, a bit hard to say because there's no, been no published figures on this, probably another $200 million on the cash stimulus payments to schools. So that's in just 12 months or 18 months, that's, that was another billion, do- almost another billion dollars for private schools. It's um, it's almost, and we've said this before, uh, Trevor. It sounds a bit like a broken record what we're talking about. But um, I know it does. I'm sorry, it does. Yes, I know. Yeah. But uh, you don't have a different narrative. Um, are you at all hopeful that perhaps the next agreement might, as a base point, um, provide for no additional add-ons? The model stays. That would keep them more accountable. Is that a? Would that be a good starting point? And do you think there's much hope of that? Well, the the New South Wales opposition is talking about um, getting to, and this is a complication, I know, getting to the state share of the schooling resource standard to 75% by 2025. Now, that's not enough because they should be going to 80%. That's the state share. But that offers some hope. It's not. It's not the complete story. It's not enough. That if 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 New South Wales schools could get to seventy five percent in the next two years, that's a positive result. Mm. And of course, here in Victoria, Cause, cause at, the, at the sorry, at the moment, they are well under that. I think they're at about sixty eight percent. The state, the New South Wales state share is about sixty eight percent at the moment. And to get to seventy five percent in two years, that's a substantial commitment. It sure is, Trevor, and as I was about to say, here in Victoria we're languishing uh, after the argy-bargy between our, our, our state and federal governments over who pays how much. We're languishing with South Australia at the bottom of the table for public schools meeting anywhere near their um, SRS. Yeah, well, in, in just in terms of the shares of the SR, the schooling resource standard, um, Victoria is the second equal second worst funded system in the country. Yep, and the, and we are the education state I see every time no, no, I yeah. go on the <laughs> yeah. roads down here, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they missed out the failed. Exactly. Trevor, that's as always. It's um, it's not uh, it's not the news we like to hear, but it's news we have to hear. And uh, look, we just have to keep banging the drum and hopefully sooner or later people, sooner rather than later, people will get the message and we'll get some constructive action. 
Hopefully. Hopefully. That was Trevor Cobbold, um, National Convener for Save Our Schools, and um, the public schools certainly needs saving.